listening to the OK Fame Show, the premier place for all your professional wrestling news and needs. Now, here's Connor, a.k.a. OK Fame. going on everybody it's yours truly okay fave here welcome back to another edition of the okay fave show of course right here on youtube.com slash okay favor of course we're also available on facebook twitch and so many other places you guys can hear um yours truly we're also on all major audio podcasting platforms we're on anchor we're on TuneIn. we're on itunes google play spotify and so many other places so make sure you guys check us out on all those places. We're here to talk uh, a lot of things coming off of SmackDown last night. Of course, this is the September 4th edition of the OK Vape Show. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Lots to digest from SmackDown. Two more King of the Ring qualifying matches. A um, rather perplexing ending to Raw. Or, 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 or ending to SmackDown, I should say, compared to Raw. Um, but And some more fun involving the 24-7 championship. We get some updates on Bailey. A lot of cool stuff to go off of from Monday Night or from I keep saying Monday Night Raw. I don't know why I want to keep saying Monday Night Raw. From SmackDown Live. Um, SmackDown was definitely an intriguing show, and I can't wait to discuss it with you. And I can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts as well about uh, SmackDown Live this past Tuesday, so make sure you hit me up in the comment section, social media, hit me up on that Twitter, at OKFabe, you know I love tweeting with you guys every single time a show's on, or just randomly tweet me stuff, I always love interacting with you guys on social media, again, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, we're all everything baby, so hit me up on there, um, but if you guys want early access to the OKFabe OK show, hit us up on Patreon too, so you guys get access to this, but let's talk about SmackDown, SmackDown this week was, um, very interesting, and I, you know, it, it's interesting because even though we have a lot of this wild card rule uh, still in effect, and I think it's probably going to still be in effect until like probably around like Survivor Series or so at this point, because I don't see the end coming uh, anytime soon for uh, for uh, this wild card rule. I really am curious as far as what is going to happen with um, with a lot of these different things, but. But with SmackDown, I felt like SmackDown had, it's weird, it had the, a lot of wild card craziness because we saw like Sasha Banks up on this, like we saw a lot of, um, just a lot of tomfoolery from a lot of different people, but still showed a different direction, they were focusing on a lot of different things, and more specifically, the end of SmackDown was definitely the most bizarre, and... While Raw last night, or the night prior, I should say, had the ending of Bailey possibly turning heel, and I say possibly because, um, you know, we didn't see or hear anything else from Bailey. That was literally the last thing we saw at the end of of Raw was was Bailey just wailing on Becky Lynch with a steel chair. Um, SmackDown, I feel like, tried to do the same thing with Eric Rowan and the Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns situation, and while I am confused. I am very intrigued, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing yet. Um, and I'm going to talk about my theories about that, and you know, you know, might as well talk about it now. You know, um, so the show closed off with Daniel Bryan asking for that apology from Roman Reigns. Of course, he did not get it <laughs> uh, per se, and instead decided, and, and instead got a uh, well. Got a, uh, it looked like he was going to have a, a, another spear from Roman Reigns, but then Arrow Rowan attacking him from behind puts him in the steel steps. Back suplex face uh, buster on the apron. 
Brian tries to make the save, but Roman swats him down. And I have to admit, that power bomb that he did to Roman uh, to the turnbuckle, very nicely done. The amount of power that it takes to do that, just up absolutely insane. Um, in the ring, he applies the claw, hits the slam. Rowan picks up the mics at Roman uh, if he's up for saying that the joke's on him because Brian is worse than everybody else. Thinking he can control him, he's nobody's puppet. Uh, he wants Brian to step in the ring and slap him in the face again when Brian doesn't oblige. Rowan says he's proud of everything he's done to Reigns. Most of all, he's gonna. Uh, most of all, the pain he's gonna feel at Clash of Champions, which he uh, punctuates by dumping Roman onto the floor, ramming the steel steps, clearing the announce table. But Brian tries to get control of him, slapping him again because that obviously is gonna work. And Brian gets claw slammed through the table. Now, so there's a lot of things to take in there from from just that. There's a lot of things to take in from that. So with Roman going berserk. You know, the theory obviously was that Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan were going to have the next major program. And I still think that's going to happen because Bryan's not out of, out of this picture scene yet, right? Um, they announced that, you know, Bryan or uh, that Rowan and, and Roman are going to hit Roman and Rowan. I'm going to get tongue tied on that one. That's for damn sure. Roman and Rowan are going to fight off at Clash of Champions. And it, I, I'm intrigued. It's different. Um, you know, it's weird because. It makes me feel like this is they're they're trying to stretch out and long term book Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns, which I love that idea. I, I love me some long term booking. I love them really trying to um really stretch this thing out as far as they possibly can. Awesome, fantastic. Uh, makes me want to see Bryan and Roman that much more. And I'm I'm not making it up. I, I'm legit. On the other hand, though, it, it does. It does make me wonder, like, where is where are they going with this? Um, you could say that it's going to turn into a whole thing where Brian becomes a babyface again and Rowan becomes the, the obstacle, which I really don't see any money with that one. I still think at the end of the day, it's going to turn out that Rowan is working for Daniel Bryan. Um, I almost guarantee that because... You know, you look at the payoff with everything, right? You look to see where the payoff's going to be. The payoff is in Roman and Brian, no questions asked. That's where your payoff is going to be for this rivalry. And and I'm not trying to discredit Eric Rowan, but let's face it. This this whole thing is not going to come to a boiling point at Clash of Champions. It's going to keep going. There, there's, there's too much on there. I think what they're trying to do is add another wrinkle to have Brian stay as far away from this whole thing as humanly possible and absolve himself of the innocence of this whole thing. Uh, hence why he was so like, you know, last week, quick to say it wasn't him, you know, and demanding the apology and just this whole, you know, debacle. And I love it. I love like the evil mastermind version of Daniel Bryan that we have uh, trying to manipulate Eric Rowan. And I just really hope that's the direction we're going with this because it's, relatively fresh it's newish i mean i mean everything's been done in wrestling obviously but I, I love the direction with this idea it's confusing but it still has me intrigued um at least for right now the the concern i have is that they're going to milk the eric rowan thing much longer than they need to i think you we get to clash of champions take that you know get that taken care of then we roll into, you know, more of Brian being involved with the whole thing. Maybe they were trying to be smart and protect Brian from having to do a lot more in ring stuff. You know, physically, maybe that's the idea behind that. I don't know. Either way, I'm just saying is that it's a smart move. I like where they're going with it so far. Um, but I just think that Roman and Rowan see, I got myself there, uh, only has limited time as far as how far they can really get away with this. But um, not as good as an ending of Raw, but still pretty damn, pretty, uh, 
interesting. Hey, got me talking, you know. But let's go. Let's rewind back a little bit here and talk about, of course, uh, Bailey starting off the show and the whole thing with Charlotte Flair and uh, Sasha Banks. So Bailey, of course, is taking the positive reaction, and she says uh, she doesn't get it. It's really confusing. Everyone's got something to say about what happened last night. Oh my god, I didn't see it coming. Hmm. Uh, how could you have forgotten her friendship with Sasha? She's the one person who's always had her back. Hugger says she's your best friend. Nothing has changed. Uh, she's still trying to show us the kind of champion she could be to lift the people up with her whole heart. And every time she steps into the ring, she's trying to make us feel the way she did when she was a kid. And now she has an opportunity to show kids what it means to be loyal. That's why she couldn't turn her back on Sasha after things got rough. Uh, she's doing everything she can put uh, do to put SmackDown on the map. They deserve a champion who gets some, the same recognition as Becky Lynch, and she's going to be that champion for a long time. It starts with Clash of Champions, when she beats the most selfish person on the roster, of course, Charlotte, who enters right in. She gets on the mic and questions the idea of being uh, that she's selfish before turning around and calling Bailey's perspective because she's the queen of selfishness, but what you see is what you get, and there's no confusion or blindsided or hugging. So hug that title real tight because of the pay-per-view. Sasha interferes. Charlotte takes advantage of the distraction and blindsides Bailey. Banks tries for the save. But Charlotte takes her down and beats on her until, of course, Bailey comes back with a chair. They take turns wailing on Flair with steel chair. Ah, that rhyme. Um, so Bailey is not heel, or at least not in, or at the very least, she's a tweener. She's loyal to Sasha Banks, and she's trying to still be the the goody goody two shoes. But at the same time, she is being loyal to her best friend, which I love that idea. So I, I think I can't remember who I saw saying this, but I remember that when like. We saw Bailey being involved. Uh, someone said, "Well, eventually we're going to get to a point. We're going to see Becky and Charlotte against Sasha and Bailey." And I still and and if there was no more evidence than what you heard at the beginning of SmackDown with all this, it's it's definitely going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen at Hell in the Cell. I think a fitting place would be Survivor Series. Um, I think it would be interesting if we can get the women's tag team titles involved with that somehow, where we have the four horsewomen coming at it against each other. Um, but I just found it interesting. I had a feeling that, you know, it's interesting how when I was talking about this on social media, on Twitter and everything, that people were like, oh, Bailey's either definitely a heel or she's totally not a heel. Um, I was definitely on the caution sign of totally not a heel because, again, it was the end of Raw. We didn't know what was happening. It was just we just saw her beat the crap out of Becky Lynch, and that was the end of it. Um, you know, Vendetta of One does not a heel make, but, I mean, then again, Uncle Steve Austin and, and so many others, you know? Uh, so it was hard to make a judgment call as far as whether Bailey's heel or not. I think that her being in this gray area, her allegiance with Sasha, what I think is going to happen is that we're going to get this idea of Sasha's being the badass boss bitch, triple B's, and she's going to continue her heel antics. But what will happen with Bailey is that she will be the the friend who is loyal to the bitter end until Sasha does something that Bailey doesn't like or. And Really hope they don't go in this route because it's already been done to death with Alexa Bliss. She takes advantage of her, and we get ourselves the match. I would not be surprised if we saw Bailey versus Sasha Banks in some way, shape, or form highlighting WrestleMania. Would not be surprised if they continue the path they're on. Um, wouldn't doubt it. I, it depends, obviously, on this whole draft and the, and and if they're going to do another brand split or whatever. But I would say that. That's what's going to happen. I'm not, I don't think Bailey's going to be necessarily like a side henchwoman, but like Nikki crosses to Alexa Bliss. But if they decide to keep this whole thing going, um, yeah, I think it's going to eventually boil into a Bailey-Sasha match one-on-one. -on -one. 
presumably at WrestleMania. That's my guess on that one. But speaking of big moments, let's talk about those King of the Ring matches. With the first one with Elias and Mustafa Ali. Um, hell of a matchup. Fantastic performance from Mustafa Ali. Really made Elias look like a million dollars at the same time. Uh, should not have been surprised that Mustafa Ali was not going to get the victory here. You know, we had Cedric Alexander lose last night on Raw, or two nights ago on Raw with Baron Corbin. Um, Mustafa Ali not getting a clean victory over Elias. Damn. Damn. I was hoping for, for something. But but I have hope in the King of the Ring tournament, and I'll talk about that a little bit later on with the second matchup. But Elias with a victory here over Mustafa Ali uh, moves him on to the uh, only semifinal match that's left on SmackDown against his next opponent. Hey everyone, I just want to remind you to make sure you check out the awesome people over at Anchor.fm. Of course, it is a great place for you to host your own podcast. And guess what? One of the cool parts is that it's totally free. Yeah, that's right, free. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your computer or even your phone. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many others. Trust me, it's so easy. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you guys want to get in on it, make sure you download the free Anchor app or just simply go to anchor.fm to get started. Uh, we do, we do. speaking of women's tag team titles, though, we do see Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross against Fire and Desire, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. I will say this is probably one of the better matches I've seen Mandy and Sonya working as a cohesive unit. Um, it's not that I hate them as a tag team. It's just that I haven't seen them work together enough as a team. They're kind of like, oh, wow, you know, I'm pretty curious and interested to see this. I haven't, can't remember, honestly, last time I've seen Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville working together as a team on TV. Like, I mean, I know they've been a tag team for, for a long last time. But I just can't remember the last time I've seen them on TV working so well. So I have to say, uh, pretty impressive uh, pinfall, too. As Fire and Desire win the match with a leg sweep, knee strike, total elimination on Alexa Bliss, which was great to see the total elimination. For those of you who don't know, that was um, the Eliminators in ECW. That was their finisher with a leg sweep and dropkick combo. Awesome. They made it look great. I hope they keep that Fire and Desire get the win over the tag team champs. Could we see them possibly challenging? I mean... You know, one thing I will say that I was very, and this is no disrespect against the Iconics, um, but the women's tag team title scene has definitely, you know, the ball's been dropped in a lot of ways with that championship division. And there's ways to make it interesting. Um, and I think that as much as I love the Iconics, um, they weren't really defending the titles a whole heck of a lot. And at least Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross are trying to push that like hey these titles are here these titles are important these titles mean something let's hopefully keep that um, momentum going with that now i i have to say that uh man it's interesting a lot of people kind of were not on the same page with me on this uh but next up we get um randy orton who's getting ready for his uh in-ring segment but before we have that two major things happen first and foremost undertaker announced for next week on smackdown I don't know what the hell they're going to do with the dead man, but I have a feeling it's going to have to do with Hell in a Cell or maybe even Survivor Series. I mean, we're getting on to like the 30-year anniversary of Undertaker at this point. Holy cow. Then we see Chad Gable working out backstage with Joe uh, Samoa Joe running into him and apologize for not seeing him. Joe scoffs about the idea of Gable being king of the ring and says the jokes are tired and sad, but they still hurt because Chad is mentally weak and says, uh, good luck, Bilbo, which, I mean, gotta love Joe on the mic. 
But Orton comes out on the mic at, on the, in the ring and says, in two weeks, we're going to have a new champion. And he's going to prove to us that Kofi is not and never been on his level. Best part about last week was the sweet sound of Kofi's skull bouncing off the floor, which was brutal stuff if you haven't seen that one. For weeks, he's decimated New Day and destroyed the power of positivity. You don't believe him. He has a tape to roll. Calls Kofi down right now to face him like a man. Kofi obliges, but he comes out, of course. He's being dragged and attacked by the Revival. They attack Kofi at length. Randy's calling him stupid, stomps away. Revival drags Kofi to his feet. Randy yells at him, of course, hits the RKO. Uh, but before he hit the RKO, he, Kofi fights out, takes him down. Revival stay on him, of course. Off the ropes, 3D. And then we, of course, get the, uh, the end of that segment. I, I have to say, Team FT, FTRKO, which I love the name, you know, it's weird and, and, it, and it's bittersweet because I know that the revival, the revival deserves so much credibility as far as tag team wrestling goes. Um, you know, I remember when I was in NXT Takeover Dallas for WrestleMania 32 weekend, um, their match against Gable and uh, um, uh, Jordan, you know, American Alpha was a treat to behold as far as if you're a fan of tag team wrestling. And I'm a fan of tag team wrestling. And I like the revival with Randy Orton because if nothing else, it gets them TV time. But at the same time, it's like, man, you, you know, you could be doing so much more with the revival. No, there's really so much you could do. And like I mentioned before in previous episodes and stuff, when they saw like revival possibly being part of like Shane's posse on raw, um, there, there was there's there's hope for this. There, there's a there's a potential for opportunity there if they know how to utilize it right. I'm fine with revival teaming with Randy Orton if it means that they get more on air time and they get some sort of relative push on SmackDown's tag team division. Like I'll 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 take that bullet. But versus like you know Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler randomly taking up the spot, it, it's you gotta pick and choose. I like the visual concept of them working with Randy Orton. They get a little bit of a rub, and yes, I know it's like Legacy 2.0, but screw it. Love me some revival with RKO. I think that if they can keep this going for a while, if the revival gets something out of it, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Speaking of everybody winning, one hell of a King of the Ring quarterfinal match between Andrade Cianamas, now just called Andrade, versus Chad Gable. I mean, if there's a match you're going to watch on SmackDown, it's this match. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, beautiful in-ring ability. Andre, the, the thing, and my good friend Chase Oliver, shout out to Chase, um, said this to me on Twitter when I mentioned this, was, you know, Chad Gable getting the victory over Andrade Cianamas was fantastic. Match was great. Amazing in-ring ability. Uh... Nothing really to say more than you need to go watch this match. The only the only bitter bittersweet thing for me is that Andrade had to lose. But Chase, my good friend Chase, said that if anything, this proved how good Andrade is at getting talent over, which I cannot disagree whatsoever on that one. Cannot disagree on that. The uh, Chad Chad winning this match makes me very optimistic that he's going to win the whole thing. I think that you know I didn't really, I didn't really go into much of King of the Ring, King of the Ring tournament predictions for this tournament because I had a feeling there was going to be some sort of wackiness and wonkiness with the whole thing, and sure enough, there was with the you know the, with the triple threat and everything, but um, but I will say that 
I think it's going to come down to Gable and Corbin. And I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, Baron Corbin again. Yes, I think that Baron Corbin's going to win the triple threat next week on Raw. Spoilers. But I think that Gable has, they've been working on the video packages with him. They're doing, they're, they're spending time on him. You can tell they're spending time on him. And I am not complaining in the least bit. This kid is, I say kid like I'm in the business. This guy has the most amazing athletic ability. And to have him be a king of the ring, if they do it right, could propel him to superstardom uh, pretty damn quick. Yes, he's, the, he's not the tallest guy. Yes, he's not the biggest guy. Um, but I'll be damned if I have not seen a bad match from him. I'm serious. I went back and I was trying to think of all the matches that I remember seeing him in, and every match I remember seeing him in from a singles competition from my, from my memory was always fantastic. So bittersweet that Andrade didn't get the victory here. Gable advancing the semifinals against Elias next week. Uh, winner of that faces the triple threat winner from Raw at Clash of Champions. Um, I'm putting money down on Corbin and Gable to go all the way. Let's hope it happens and let's see how it all breaks down. But man, I am already willing and Gable for sure. They need to make that a shirt again. Anyway, speaking of awesome matches, Alistair Black and Shelton Benjamin, pretty short, sweet, but also great to see Alistair Black on SmackDown. Uh, hell, also the great to see Shelton Benjamin on SmackDown. Um, we saw Black Mask nearly ended a knee strike, sends Benjamin to the floor, back inside. Shelton clobbers him with a knee in the ropes. Back inside, back elbow, kicks from Black, knee lift from Benjamin, but the to hip, block, hip toss is blocked. Legs catch, catch boot, and duck, and bam! A Black Mask ends it for Shelton Benjamin. Alistair Black gets the victory. No real shock and surprise on that one, but uh, still uh, great to see both these men on television. Makes me wonder what they're going to do with Alistair Black in the near future. You know what I mean? So <laughs> we do get a little, a, a bit of a craziness with the 24-7 championship. First thing we see is back from commercial. Maverick and Renee Michelle are uh, walking backstage with the Singh brothers attack and fail to pin him, as does Curtis Axel, but then Bo Dallas swoops in and wins the title. Nakamura, uh, so we see Bo Dallas actually wins the 24-7 championship. Meanwhile, we see um, Shinsuke Nakamura get a quick victory over Andrew Howard. I hope I'm saying the name right with a Kinsasha. Basically, once again, reminding us, hey, Shinsuke is fighting uh, the IC title or defending the IC title against the Miz of the pay-per-view. The whole Sami Zayn thing is something that's weird and I'm not quite used to either. Um, it's not that I don't like it. It's just it has this like gut feeling of Sami's got nothing going on. Shinsuke is doing his. Why, you know, what, let's, let's see how this goes. I will say this. I don't think Shinsuke is a horrible person on the mic, but I think definitely having a mouthpiece would help, especially in a heel. Um, I think that, you know, the no speak English thing was hilarious, but I think that with someone of his stature, someone of his ability, um, you know, why not put a mouthpiece on him? I just don't think Sami Zayn is necessarily the right mouthpiece. Um, not that I don't think Sami could, it doesn't have the ability to do so, but I see when I see Sammy and Nakamura in the ring, I think of the Takeover Dallas match, Nakamura's debut, Sami Zayn's last match in NXT. They were bitter rivalries and adversaries. It's just it, it it's still hard for me to wrap my head around the idea that Sami Zayn is befriending Nakamura for reasons that I still don't I, I don't I don't quite understand. He might have explained it in a promo in previous weeks on SmackDown. I probably missed it. It's just very confusing to me. Um, 
It's not that I don't think it could work. It's just it's like it's like the JBL title run. Early stages, I hate it. I don't I don't I don't I don't like it. I'm an old man that yells at the cloud. It could morph into something great. I just I see Sammy more as a competitor first and a mouthpiece second. So maybe that's why I'm just kind of like eh, maybe. But speaking of, but one thing that I definitely was on board for was more of the awesome 24-7 championship. Of course, we see the B team end up in the ring with a crush of superstars behind them. They beat Grand Magic League up, but Drake Maverick rolls in. He gets a schoolboy to get the 24-7 title. This is the best part we see as Drake is getting out of the ring and rolling back. They have the King of the Ring stage or the uh, the uh, the throne and our truth is the lamp, or is like the thing that's holding the crown and the and the lampshade. And he gets out from under that, rolls up Drake Maverick, and wins the twenty four seven championship. So our truth just got the belt back again. Damn marriage has not been consummated yet, and it's it's a damn shame. Poor 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 Renee Michelle, poor Drake Maverick, once again losing that twenty four seven title. Um, and then of course we talked about the Eric Rowan situation at the beginning of the show. So I mean. SmackDown was just weird. Uh, I know I said the exact same thing about Raw last on the, on the last episode of the OK Fape show, and but this one was more weird in terms of confusing. I guess confusing is the more accurate phrase. I'm not necessarily saying that confusing is a bad thing. It's just that a lot of things are kind of going in a direction where either I didn't see it going in that direction or I don't see where they're going with this. And in some ways, it's exciting to me. You know, as a fan, I'm sure you guys are the same way too. As a fan, if you know where things are going to go, um, it, does take out the, 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 it does take the wind out of the sails a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, maybe not in movies, uh, maybe not in, in certain TV shows, but sp- specifically in wrestling, if you sort of know where things are going, it can sometimes take the, the wind out of the sails. Sometimes. Sometimes you know where it's going and you're perfectly fine. You're going to pop anyway, no matter what. Um, I feel like the King of the Ring tournament is really getting on like a nail-biting point for me. Like there, there's there's great potential that can go in some. And, ha- and, and honestly, the King of the Ring tournament has had some, so far, some really solid matches, especially this particular week. Like I said, go watch Gable and, um, and Andrade tear it up on SmackDown. That's the match you need to go watch this week. 24-7 title was was fun. Um, you know, Alistair Black and Shelton Benjamin, okay, fine. The R, the, the Randy Orton beat down a Kofi Kingston. They kind of put the title scene in the back, you know, title picture in the back scene a little bit this week. Fine. Um, the Bailey thing is still, again, a lot of it is still just like, it's still up in the air. We're still seeing where things going. We're still We're still seeing how things play out. So I'm not totally against these ideas. It's just, it's going to give me, I need some time to get used to it. That That's really the big thing. That's, I think, the biggest takeaway. Um, I think Raw had some really strong matches this week. I think that the Bailey heel turn, quote unquote, uh, was really the thing that kind of gave it a little bit more of an edge this week, in my opinion. It definitely watered down on SmackDown this week. So I had to give it to Raw this week a little bit if we're going to compare the two. But SmackDown was not a bad show. It's just... It made me scratch my head more as far as what the hell is going to happen next. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. But maybe it's up to you guys. Want to hear what your thoughts are on SmackDown this week? Let me know your thoughts in the comment section all over social media and that fun jazz. Hopefully, we won't uh, misplace them like a certain AEW World Championship. Thank you guys again for tuning in for another episode of the OK Fabe Show tomorrow. Coming back for another one for you. We'll be back 
talking everything from NXT, and we'll maybe sprinkle some other indie stuff in between there as we're going to come back tomorrow for another edition of the OK Fabe Show, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, again, available on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and all major podcasting platforms. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Appreciate the love and support. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Take care, and as always, take it easy. Thanks for listening. Make sure to watch the OK Fabe Show. Follow him on Twitter at OK Fabe and like over on Facebook.com slash OK Faber. This is the OK Fabe Show.